Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Backfillin. Welcome to the podcast that isn't going to make up a thing to say welcome to the podcast to because I get a day off. It is Sunday, April 8th, 2018. And if you know the significance of that Sunday in April, you know what I am giddy about. You guys, I have just spent the last seven plus hours in my living room. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. But it happened. The holy, the holy day for road cycling is upon us, and I was witness to greatness today. Yes, yes, yes. Paris-Roubaix happened today, and I am one very happy bicycle racing fan, road bike racing fan. I know you guys are probably thinking, Pat, when are you going to talk about mountain biking? I am, but I promise I'll get back to it. But this was the day. This is the day. This was our... Sp- this was our Super Bowl, if you will, for single-day classics, in my personal opinion. And, and we got it, and it paid off. And I'm going to provide a spoiler as soon as I thank my sponsor. Noon Hydration, everybody. Noonlife.com. Get over there. Get to Pack Filler. Click on the link and get yourself some goodness. And if you email me, I, might, I think I might still have a code that'll be able to get you a nice little discount on that for some, for some, uh, for some of our listeners. So um, drop me a note and we'll see what we can do for you. I also have to mention, you guys, that the Pack Filler Cycling Kits are now officially up and open and ready for sale. Our friends at Castelli have, are offering, honestly, the, big, the, the highest tier pricing. When I say highest tier, I mean lowest for you. I'm talking jerseys and shorts, both well under the $100 mark. 
um, and and each that is. You know, I think it's like sixty eight and seventy eight dollars, and that's high end Castelli Podio jerseys and bib shorts in three different patterns. Get on Pack Filler dot com take a look and and order yourself up some kits i want to get to the minimums i think which are only like 10 pieces so if if you guys one of you two of you out there listening buys a a kit and uh and a you know and 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 yeah and all of a sudden we'll all be happy and whenever i see you in that kit if i have not seen you in it before i will buy you a beer at a live show there i said it i'll do it okay spoilers in three two one Peter Sagan is saving bike racing, in my personal opinion. What a what a classy way to win an event of that magnitude. Barry Roubaix did not fail. Every single one of the favorites was up there, was active, was aggressive within the race. The course was actually, it seemed quite dry. The conditions seemed quite dry this year. You know, yes, the, the wet and the mud sometimes makes it more epic, but... Um, other than the a one rider suffering a cardiac arrest, and we haven't heard back in regards to that, and it's you know, and hopefully everything is fine with that. But other than that, I'm personally a textbook uh, Sunday in hell. It was a beautiful race today, and and Sagan did not did not let us down. He he that that attack. I don't even know if it was attack. It's just like he rode away. Van Avermont was just kind of looking at everybody else and wondering what the hell was going on. So. What a beautiful, beautiful classic season we are already underway with uh, Flanders last week, Roubaix this week, and then we've got the Ardennes Classics coming up. So hopefully they will just continue to go in this incredible path that we've been seeing and, and exciting. And as you guys probably know, uh, now I, I guess he's he's pretty much a regular on the live shows and has been on the in the studio shows a couple times. My good friend Paul Main is was. I don't know how he pulled this off, but he got a trip to Flanders and Perry roubaix for the deal of the century. He and a friend went over there, and they have been experiencing what it's like to attend races of that magnitude with that tradition, with that history. And I am could not be more jealous. Um, I, here I am, a you know, bike fanatic, and I have never been able to see any of those monumental classics live and in person. I've attended pretty much every bike race in the United States, but I haven't had a chance to get over there yet. And uh, Paul has been telling me what an experience it is like. He's been to Roubaix once before, but uh, this was, yeah, this is his second time, and he had never been to Flanders before. And on this show, we talk a lot about bike racing and what makes bike racing different and what does bike racing need to continue to flourish and grow as a sport? And yes, we need personalities like Peter Sagan. Um, you know, Robin Farina spoke the other day about characters. We need those types of characters. We need that environment. We need to be able to go and sit and approach our, our heroes in the sport and have an autograph signed and have them the venues be accessible and not just for high-priced paying people like the Super Bowl has turned into. And um, I asked Paul while he was over there to talk to some people and see what that environment's like, get a feel of what it's like to, to be in such an incredible environment and see what it was all about. And just today, he, he sent me a file of, a, of an interview. We spoke with a couple Belgians. I call them the, uh, the, uh, the beer-buzzed Belgians because I think they've been having a really good time. And, and each of them had been to multiple Perry roubaix I think they're looking at a seven- and a 10-year reunion for each of those guys. And uh, just to see what makes being in person at one of those events truly a, a once in a lifetime or I guess 
10 in a lifetime experience, what keeps them coming back and what keeps them passionate about cycling. So I'm going to give you that little quick interview, five-minute interview with Paul before we get to our actual show interview. Here we are, Sector 13, and I just met a couple of Belgian chaps here. And uh, we just got out of the tent, which is about a 60 by 30 in size, packed with people, selling food, beer, colas. And uh, these gentlemen are actually have. this is a special day for Perriou Bay for them. And you were telling me how many times you've been here? It's the 10th time. This is their anniversary. And uh, how many times have you been? Uh, the seventh time. Uh, the first uh, three times he came without me. But uh, after then I said, no, never without me and again. <laughs> well, what do you think makes... Uh, Dimension Dad is coming by here. We gotta, what do you think makes... And now Sky. What do you think makes the uh, the classic so so big? This this atmosphere is just unbelievable. What do you think you attributes to that? Um, beer, friends, friends, beer, a great time, um, one atmosphere. Uh, uh, definitely, countries coming together to socialize and. Uh, the right is itself, Palito Bay itself. That's right, that's right, that's certainly it. And uh, <clears throat> who do you guys are thinking that's going to win today? I think uh, Nicky Terpstra is the, uh, the biggest favorite, but for me, I, I like to be a Belgium from the Quick Step team, and that's then Yves Lampard or Philippe Gilbert. And, and Lampard is something special to you because. Because he lives only 10 kilometers from where I live in Ingemostern, and uh, that's that's why, uh, in fact. That's a good reason. And uh, how about you? Who do you? Lampard or Van Marke, for the same reasons. Yeah. Van Marke, I'm up with you on that yeah. one. So, <laughs> so um, you guys, uh, did you go to the Ronda this year? No, we didn't go. And the reason for that? Because it's a festival. It's a festival, and you're trying to stay away from the festivals, I take it. Uh, no, but uh, it's uh, my belief is uh, that uh, riding is a sport for the people, and it's too much vips and and dinner and so much things like that. Uh, it's going over the top. So how about you? I drove the Ronde for cyclists, and uh, the, the 240 kilometers on Saturday, I drove them, but on Sunday I look at television because the same reasons they 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 have commercialized it by passing three times uh, at the Eau de Quaremont, at the Paterbergs, three times passing at the same place, and it's it's pure vip and uh, and that's not a, a good thing for the for the for the cycling, I suppose. I agree. Uh, I noticed. I went online to look how to travel around and and everything that that the classic of Flanders is pushing is that VIP or VIP tents and stuff, and it was too much money. But it's all water van den Hout. Yes. He is the big asshole of the whole story. <laughs> He's the Trump of Belgium. <laughs> no, yeah, but it's true. Allee, Wouter van der Houten, commercializing, commercializing yeah. I, I, everything about cycling. Everything, everything. He he tries to get all the TV rights of everything, and and it's all for the money, and that's not. And here in the north of France. The hell of the north, yeah. it's for us, it's heaven. Yeah. Nothing is commercialized here. You can do whatever you want. And if it's good, if it is good weather like today, 
it's it's heaven huh? in the north <laughs> i have to agree i agree with that and i think now that i've been at both i think this is this is my second time in roubaix and only at runda once that there's certainly a larger feel i thought i was going to get more of that at flanders which is my favorite race but like you said for the people i yeah. think that's it yeah that's the difference that's the difference and not commercialized like you're saying yeah. yes commercial but the the race is heroicer i suppose the tour of flanders because you have the climbs on 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 the on the cobblestones but i it's the race in roubaix is more classic and is more for the power people and more the best men wins always in roubaix that is very true and then but i noticed uh, i saw a lot of juniors and more so riding I've been robbed here. <laughs> He's getting filled up by some lady. And he seems okay with it. <laughs> um, but uh, I noticed, it, like on the Ronda, when we looked, there wasn't like a, as many junior, like young, young, young kids out there. When we did uh, reconnaissance, uh, we, we were driving around. They were like small, eight, nine years old here. Uh, they are juniors, 16 to 18 years old, and it's a heroic race for them. I have I, my uh, my nephew is a is a he, two years ago he he drove this race and he said it's heroic, it's it's incredible, and the team where where he drives for will never race here again because it cost too much at the material uh -huh. yeah, they they drove 10 wheels in the, <laughs> <laughs> you're busting up equipment yeah, yeah. so i think that pretty much wraps it up i'll probably come back visit these guys you guys gonna be back at the tent after uh, they blow by here yeah uh, yes so so we will be uh probably visiting them in the tent it gets pretty freaking loud that's for sure uh last year especially if a belgian wins and i think everybody <laughs> down this whole strip of Oshie is wearing black yellow and red and and feeling it in their blood and blue. so vip the veep the people who are paying it's interesting to hear that belgians don't want to attend the biggest events in belgium because the fact that it's being commercialized and it's being taken over and what an interesting perspective to see and hear not to see to hear what's going on with with something that i don't know about you guys but from my perspective being here in the in the u.s you think it's just this holy grail and you know to see behind the curtain and to understand what's going on with the true lifetime fanatics is is an interesting perspective big thanks to paul for going over there and and getting this information and getting these people and um, as you heard at the intro of the show i told him that any times he could get somebody to say the words pack filler i would buy him a beer so i guess when paul returns and we go to our next live show i owe paul a beer today's show speaking of the classics um, we've had a lot of grumblings. You, you saw in, in Perry roubaix today, we had one American, Taylor Finney, incredible ride by Taylor Finney today. We had one American in the race, and being our proud American selves, we sometimes wonder what the hell's going on. You know, we've gone through our highs and our lows, and we could definitely say this is a low in terms of American riders. And I thought it would be a perfect time to air an interview I just had recently, in fact, right before Perry roubaix I, had, I did this one on Saturday, um, with a rider, an American rider, coming up in the ranks, his first opportunity to ride with a world tour team, um, and just get the taste into terms of what that's going to be like and what kind of pressures are like to be a pro, first-year pro on a world tour team. 
Logan Owen is from the great state of Washington where I currently sit, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to get a chance to talk to him, and that was indeed a great opportunity. So, Logan Owen on the Pack Filler Podcast. All right, everybody, today's guest currently rides in the pink of Education First Drapak, has more cyclocross and road national victories than I have microphones. He's won a stage of the Tour of Utah, the U23 Liege-Baston-Liege, and also happens to be a Washingtonian. Let's welcome to the show, Logan Owen. How are you, man? Doing great. Happy to be here. Great. Thanks, man. Hey, you know, here you are, your your first year on a world tour team. First of all, congratulations on that. Um, how's the experience? Is it everything you imagined when you first signed up? Uh, yeah. I mean, everything's going to plan. It was, yeah. The cool, the coolest thing so far is having a team bus and being able to, like, shower after the race. Which is, <laughs> that's pretty nice. <laughs> haven't, haven't had that. And I've never had that. So, it was, yeah, a pretty eye-opening experience. So, Just. Yeah. Just everything is on a much larger scale. I can imagine. What is are the races and the, and the environment and stuff like that? Is that all obviously on a larger scale also? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot more importance put on every race, and there's. I mean, when you're on a U23 team, you kind of go out there and you just have fun and race. And if you do bad, you do bad. If you win, you, you win, and everybody's happy. But when you're on a world tour team, it's a little bit more serious. And I mean, your job is to win. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's, there's just a little bit more importance put onto it. And, uh, I mean, you can still have fun, but you got to remember that your entire goal is to win. And that's, that's kind of, you just got to be focused every race. It, does that add on to in terms of, of pressures? I mean, I, obviously there are going to be, you know, expectations of, of the team and your, your performances. Um, does that sometimes transfer into potential, I guess we could say negative pressures there? Uh, I mean, I guess potentially that could happen, but I, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I've kind of been doing everything I've been asked to do so far, so I haven't seen any of that yet. But uh, I can I could see how that could that could be pretty difficult between from the uh, point of view to the rider's point of view. But uh, yeah, no, I mean I think it's I think it's uh, I mean you're just expected to do that, and it's not I mean it's not out of your ability. Most of the time, they don't expect you to do more than what you're capable of doing. So, yeah. um, I don't think it's. I don't think you get added pressure. Okay, your your junior Palmares, a um, lot of victories, obviously in cyclocross over the years, uh, consistently national champion throughout your junior years. Um, was there ever an intention to focus specifically on that style of racing, or was or a road career always kind of on the horizon, the ultimate objective? Um, I honestly didn't know. I was kind of just seeing how it went and just kind of going. I was going to kind of decide once I got to 23 years and see what I was going to do. And um, I noticed I was starting to do pretty well on the road. And I figured I'd stop cyclocross and try to try to focus entirely on that to get a world tour contract, which I think to me, that was kind of the biggest goal I've ever had. Um, so, yeah. Uh, other I don't than- know. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, other than other than switching, you know, switching disciplines and focusing heavier on the road, um, to make it to that world tour level, what kind of changes did you have to make in your preparation and your your focus? Um, I mainly was able to take a break. I think the biggest thing kind of holding me back on kind of both sides of the sport was I was just constantly racing, and so I was never really getting a, a lot of time to recover and um, absorb all the 
all the efforts that I've done each season. So, I mean, I would take a small break, like two weeks, but it's not, I don't think it's the proper break that you need to take um, before, before a long season of training building into the season. So I think it was, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing is just having a, having a break and getting a big winner in and then uh, having a good road season next year. And that was kind of the biggest change. What kind of objectives do you have now that you're at this level? Is there Do you have anything specific that you're trying to go with, or are you just trying to get the feel of the Peloton and what the changes are like in racing? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to help my teammates as much as possible. I mean, we, we won a stage of Circuit of Cyrus or something um, just this last week, uh, and that was kind of, I don't know, it was really cool to do that because, I mean, my job right now is just to help, and being able to do my job well enough to help somebody else win is like it's it's very satisfying and that's kind of like my biggest objective this year i'd say and then kind of learn learn the ropes as well are there any specific races you could foresee yourselves obviously liege uh, went well for you in the u23 version are those types of races the ones you want to shoot for are you thinking yourself or is or is it too early to kind of judge that um honestly i don't know yet uh i think i think i can do well in both like kind of Amstel range to uh, Flanders, but I mean the pro- professional age I think is going to be too much because I'm not a pure like I'm not like a legit climber. I'm more of like a punchy guy, okay. like a punchy climber person. But I can't, and then I can sprint out of a small group. But I can't like I'm not going to be able to do. I don't think I can do the pro age with the um with the best. I mean I'm going to see and see how it all goes, and maybe I can, but. Um, I think kind of where I'm at is I think like the planners types races, the topics are going to be, um, more, more suited to, uh, my skills. Okay. What's, tell me about the, the team itself. What's the atmosphere in the team in terms of, you know, how you're fitting in and how that whole environment changes, you know, obviously being able to take a shower is, you know, is probably nice for the other guys in the team too, that nobody stinks in your bus going home. But, um, how's, yeah, yeah. how's, how's everything working out with, with the new, the new team and what's the atmosphere like and what kind of team objectives are you involved in there? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool team. Uh, everybody's, it's more from what I've seen. It's a more relaxed team than what I've heard from a lot of other world tour programs. It's uh, yeah, it's a little bit more, a little bit more chill, and everybody's just kind of down to earth, and they're not so worried about not winning. They understand that you can't win every race, and but they, I mean, they still try try their best. So it's not. We're just a little bit more relaxed. Um, there's not as much pressure as from what I've heard from other teams. Really? Um, so, yeah. So coming from a, you know, here, proud to mention that you're from the, you and I are from the same state coming from Washington, born and raised in these type of an environment racing here, getting an exposure through some of your younger years and um, through your last team and stuff like that of going into the European scene. And, and I kind of talk at length on this show about the difference between the, cycling and the, and the fans and the experience of being in Europe versus the U.S. Um, can you kind of describe for us what the difference is and how much, how much bigger it is, I guess, when you're over there as opposed to doing some of the races here? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, the biggest thing I've noticed is that um, it doesn't necessarily have to do with racing, but it's more like when you're out training, there's 
I mean, people see you on the side of the road. And they're like they they notice who you are and they're like oh wow that's cool that's a that's a pro rider whereas in America I can be riding down the street and I just have no idea who I am it's just like I'm another bike rider in the way on the road and but it, it that's the main thing I've noticed over here is that people actually recognize the kit that you're wearing and kind of respect it. And and the the races themselves. I mean, we're we're kind of at a little bit of a crisis here at the at the hometown level in terms of where our races are and 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 the things that are going on. Do you have any insight as to what you think might be a reason as to why America's struggling with with races and maintaining some of these things? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh... Honestly, it's been so long since I've heard in America. Really? I don't even really know. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I don't know. I mean, people just got to come out and participate, but yeah, for whatever reason, that's just not happening. Um, I think a big thing that I know the Colorado Pro Cycling Challenge tried to do last year was um, charge entry fees for the uh, – to watch the race and I oh, think wow. that was a terrible idea because it's that's the whole draw to cycling is it's a free sport to watch and you can see the fans for free and that's that's the big draw. You don't have to like pay money to go see the top level pros. And uh I think kinda I don't know, making more of an attraction outside of the cycling aspect without having to charge money. Um would be a great idea, kind of like they had, but yeah, that they charged, I think, a little bit that sort of deal. Yeah, I got. I I didn't know about charging people to watch the race. That's always been one of the approachable aspects of it. Is that you can walk up, you can, you know, you can get direct autographs from your heroes. You can be within arm's distance, and it's all for free. You just go out there, and and the, you can take advantage of that. I can't imagine having to, you know, necessarily pay for pay to spectate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't really help with the local scene of racing. I don't know. I don't know what could change that because it's been so long since I've been able to do like a local race. But that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of been the biggest thing I've seen. Yeah. And we're, we're, you know, we're running it. I don't know if you were able, if you were, I'm, I'm trying to guess ages here in terms, did you ever do the Northwest Junior stage race that was over here and things like that? Yeah, yeah, no, I won it the first year that okay. it was around, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, that one's a, that one's going away. Think, Unfortunately, we've we've lost that one too. So, I mean, it's it's just sad to see some of these things oh, happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. No. <laughs> I mean, I think that was that was a great step in in the right direction for like the development of U.S. cycling. Yeah. Having having like a big stage race in America, it doesn't matter where it is. Um, it was great that it was from Washington because um, representing, I mean, yeah, bring more people out there. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean. That's that's uh, that's not good. Yeah. So let me get some perspective from you. When you know, talking about you did that race when you were younger. What what inspired you to take up cycling originally, and how, and how did you find where you were going? I mean, uh, the Seattle area, Bremerton has a huge cross background. Was there somebody in particular that brought you in? Um. I mean, I kind of start. I started through BMX on okay. Redline, and. Uh, who was it? Uh, Gork Barrett. He was kind of running the running the team for the BMX side of things, and then I kind of was fading out of BMX. And he got me he introduced me to Tim Rutledge, who was running the cyclocross program. And then, uh, yeah, they saw some talent in me, and they brought me on board for the cyclocross side of things. And yeah, I just kind of carried on from there. That was at like the age of nine. Um, cycling was like always in my life, so. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, um, yeah, and then uh, I met my coach Joe Holmes at when I was about thirteen years old, and before then I was just like doing cyclocross training. That's all I did until I was thirteen. Was I was just riding my cross, like doing laps around this like circuit. My dad helped me set up up at this little high school, and then uh, yeah, uh, he kind of got me into the road side of things and. Uh, started to develop a lot more power by doing that rather than just focusing on cyclocross training. And yeah, it's kind of developed from there. Have you hung up your, your cross bike or is there going to be a balance between road and cross? Uh, I definitely use my cross bike for training in the winter and stuff, but yeah. uh, I don't know how much cyclocross, I mean, I could potentially be coming back to do some races um, in the next year or so. Um, I'm talking with Cannondale right now about potentially doing that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I can maybe show up for like nationals or something or come out and maybe, uh, give, give, uh, give, give some guys, guys, uh, the run for their money. <laughs> so it's, so it's not all completely shifted to one, but it's probably, it sounds like I'm sure that the, the focus is doing what you're doing. You know, you're at the top level of the sport and trying to, trying to move up through the, the Peloton in that range. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The focus is on road right now, but um, I can use cyclocross as a good training tool, and if I can do some races and have some fun as well. That'd be that'd be great. How's how's life outside of of cycling changed um, once you're at this level? I can only imagine that you know you you had to be completely dedicated to it at any level to be able to, to get to where you've got, but has, has there been a dramatic change in terms of things? Obviously um, living overseas is, is a huge thing. Have you made the, a permanent jump over there? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the only thing that's changed really from um, what I was doing last year to this year. Um, I'm just spending more time in Europe and I have a, luckily I know a family over here in Belgium that I've, I've stayed with for a long time. And um, they're basically, basically like my second family and, um, so I stay with them and it's been a really easy transition for me, uh, being here cause it's kind of like home, home to me. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, that's kind of the biggest thing. I, I'm not like permanently over here. I'm going to be over here for a bit during the spring and then I'll come home, 
I'm going to be heading home after Amstel and then uh, I'll do California and a couple other American races and then I'll head back over probably at the end of the season as well. So it's going to be kind of a mix of both. Did, were, did you pick out the races you were going to be doing um, early on in the year? Did you have it all laid out in front of you or is it just kind of a, hey, well, let's see how things are going or you had specific targets or is it, you know, every day planned out? Uh, no, the directors, I mean, they came to me and said, hey, this is what we want you to do. Um, and I don't really have much say in what I do. So <laughs> I'm, I'm the first year on the team. So I'm just like, yeah, cool. I'll just do whatever it is you guys want me to do. I'm good. <laughs> Um, and is, is that good? I mean, are you looking forward? Are there, are there any specific races on the calendar? You're going, Oh, I'm going to rock that one. I mean, tour down under, you were already just flying out and, you know, riding really aggressively. And it seems like you were ready to go from that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I don't have any specific targets, um, but I think Amstel, which I'll be doing coming up here on, uh, April 15th, that'll be, that'll be kind of one of my biggest targets is just trying to see how hall doing that race helping the guys and to see how my fitness level is compared to the top guys in the world um at that sort of race i mean because i think that's a race i think i can be really good at in the future so i'd like to see how i am now and i mean see what i can do to help the team and yeah that's that'll be a kind of kind of a big big uh big experience Probably the first race over 250 kilometers, so that'll be, that'll be interesting. Wow, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to get a couple heavy questions on you here that might seem a little mel- melodramatic, but I, I just kind of, to see what it's like for you to do some of these things. Um, do you, and again, forgive me if this seems cheesy, do you see yourself as a as a role model to to cyclists? Do you, or are you just saying, I'm just here to race my bike and show off the sponsors, but do you do you guys see yourselves as a you know, a behavioral standard as a role model to younger athletes or anything like that? Um, I mean, yeah, that, that comes along with being at the top level of the sport. I know that there are kids, I mean, there are younger, the younger generation does look up to us. And, um, it does, I mean, we have to keep ourselves at a higher standard and not, <laughs> not lose our cool too much and like just keep it. Yeah. I don't know. Is, is Make there, sure that we are staying in a good light for them, and that way they can follow the right path uh, yeah. to get to the same level. Are there any kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, are there any kind of uh, coaching or training in terms of okay, you know, you got to show up the bike clean, you got to have all this ready, you know, here's how you answer questions to the press, here's how you handle yourself in this situation. Is there any kind of preparation like that, or is it just kind of hey, don't screw up with the sponsor on? Uh, no, I mean. You have some, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you get some info from the team on what they want you to do about sponsors and all that. Yeah, of course, you got to show up to, to the race with your bike not dirty, but that's something that you learn along the way um, through programs like USA Cycling. And, I mean, they kind of teach you all that stuff. And it's, <laughs> yeah, you kind of, I don't know, if you go through the program of USA Cycling and, kind of the action program you, you kind of learn what how to be a professional and it's not you don't really need to have it explained to you okay and yeah so usa cycling has been a pretty influential help in getting you where you are now yeah yeah for sure um they gave me opportunities to race in some races um against the best u23s in the world and i'd say that i mean 
far as development, that helps a ton. And just chasing results is that's uh, another huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and my other my other cheesy questions. This is almost like a job interview question. But where do you see yourself fitting into this, and where do you see yourself in probably two, three, five seasons? Um. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have a wishful thinking of. I'd be at the top level of the sport in five to six years, but yeah. I, who knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of taking it as it goes. I don't really know what to expect five to six years down the road. Yeah. But we'll probably have about 10 more world titles by that point. So <laughs> maybe I'll be a retired dad at that point. Who knows? <laughs> well, you know, it's, um, you spend a lot of time, you know, I, I don't know about you when I was, when I was younger, it was like, okay, I, my focus was to get to this level, you know, and, and for you it was, okay, I'm going to get to a world team, uh, a world tour team. And then once you reach that, sometimes, you know, I could envision riders going, Oh shit, now what am I going to do? You know, I, I made it to this level. So now where do I go from here? Do I, you know, you probably have to kind of find out what type of, you know, you talked about being a, a you know, poppy punchy kind of a rider, you know, so do you, do you stick with that or do you find yourself changing over time? You know, I know there are riders who've had major expectations going, I'm going to win the tour. Wow. Okay. I'm not really a tour rider as you find out. So, you know, where do you go from yeah. there? Uh, you just kind of learn and you adapt as you go on. It's just, yeah, learn and adapt and just keep, keep, uh, keep growing. Yeah. It's basically all I can say. Yeah. It's not like you just, you just got to take, take, uh, take the punches as they come and just keep rolling with it. Wow. Okay. Um, how many years, uh, contract are you under now? Um, I'm on a two year contract right now. Okay. Uh, because I'm a Neo pro, uh, yeah, because Action is now a pro continental team, but previously it was just continental. So um, I wasn't technically considered in the professional okay. rank at that point. Um, so the, they signed me under a two-year contract as a year pro. Okay. And that's, I mean, I can only imagine that's got to be something that you're thinking that, you know, okay, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm rolling, you know, here we are barely into the first season and I'm already saying, well, you got to make sure you get, you know, I sound like a father, but, um, yeah, but <laughs> it's got to be something on your mind and making sure that you keep going and you keep improving and keep doing what the team needs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just trying the constant stress of the cyclist is being fit and healthy and, trying to stay on top of it and as long as you do those things and i know i'm confident in my abilities to race my bike that as long as i'm fit and healthy that i don't have to really worry about anything um because i can do pretty much everything i need to do for the team as far as what they ask me to do to help and all that just this matter of staying healthy and yeah staying on top of that sort of thing so before we we kind of wind things down, here we are. We're recording this. Um, you, heck, you're you guys about to go to sleep and wake up, and tomorrow's Perry Roubaix. I'm still in the mornings here, but um, uh, yeah. you got any got any thoughts or predictions in terms of what might happen tomorrow in 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 Paris? Uh, personally, I think Seth's gonna win. Uh, he's been riding really well. Yeah, he's been riding really well, and I think he just. I don't know. He he's had some bad luck in the last couple of races, and he always seems to have a little bit of bad luck. But I think I, I do think he's going to win uh, Sunday because he 
he's been riding he's been the strongest guy in pretty much every classic I've seen so far uh it was pretty obvious when we raced Omelette um and all those other ones Flanders he was really strong but he even had a bunch of mechanicals that he had come back from and all that so I think if he he can put together a good race I think he's gonna yeah I think he's gonna be on the top step I, I'm sure you probably felt like you had to say that because he's your teammate. No, I'm not. I'm kidding you. But um, it, no, 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 I actually, I actually do think he's going to win. <laughs> no, I <laughs> actually <laughs> watching him in Flanders. He had some bad luck early on, and then to be able to come back and ride the race he did was was pretty darn impressive too. No, so I and I've got a, a regular on the show here. Paul Maine is a friend of mine who's over there at at the race, going to watch it, and I, I'm sure he's going to be really really happy to hear you say that because he's been a fan of Seps for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody would love to see Sep win as well. I mean, he's such a, a nice guy, and like he's just kind of yeah, he's just a good a good dude. So it's like nobody would not like to see him win. Yeah. So uh, on top of the the classics and things like that, um, is there any inside information you think is going to happen with the team um, now that you guys are you know a new sponsor, new kit, things like that? Are there new objectives, or is it just kind of keep going and, and roll with the punches? Um, yeah, I don't really, yeah, I don't really know much about what's going to happen in the future. I mean, I know they have, I think they signed the three year deal or something like that. Um, or the they own the team now. EF uh, EF Education First is now yeah running the team, owning everything. So it's uh yeah, I'll be interested to see in the direction they go. I don't really know which direction they're gonna go, but uh, all all I'm gonna keep doing is racing my bike. So <laughs> right on, doing, doing the best possible. <laughs> right on. So we uh, you know not to stalk you, but when you're in when you're in the states, is is Washington still your home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my wife and I moved to uh, over to Port Orchard, which is about ten fifteen minutes away from where I grew up in uh, in Bremerton. So uh, yeah, it's a good little place. It's kind of nice to have have our own our own house now, and uh, yeah, it's cool. Now you mentioned your you mentioned your wife. Has that got to be tough? With, are you guys away from each other more often, especially with her racing and things like that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She uh. Yeah, it, it's tough. She's she came over uh, for Track World. Um, I don't know. Do you, you know who Chloe is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So she was over here for Track World, and uh, uh, I got to see her for a little bit then, and um, it didn't work out. That she she was gonna come over here and spend some time uh, with the family in Belgium, and but uh. That didn't work out because I wasn't I wasn't gonna be here during that time. I was gonna be traveling and racing. So it's, yeah, it's definitely tough. But uh, luckily, we have technology that kind of helps us work around that now. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a long distance relationship. No, I was actually no, no offense. I didn't want to dive too deeply into your personal life, so I was waiting for you to bring her up. But of course, I know who Chloe is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say there's a lot of people that I mean they just don't know who she is, and I'm like, oh. Okay. Uh, really? That's, that, that's fun. That's actually, yeah, yeah, no, that's, weird. that's pretty sad. If you call yourself a bike racing fan and you don't know that, you know, you guys are a really fast couple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's, she's probably faster than I am at this point. So she's got more world championships. <laughs> I don't even have any. <laughs> and I'm sure she flaunts it, sits down at the dinner table with the jersey oh, on oh, or something. Oh, you know she does. <laughs> 
Well, well, right on. Well, Logan, first of all, you know, it was kind of funny. I saw some posts the other day talking about Flanders and stuff like that and how the American contingent isn't quite as, as you know, as, as full as it used to be and things like that. And I, and then your name came up and I was talking to a couple people saying, Hey, you know, we, we got some, we got some people coming up. We can't lose all hope and faith. So, uh, you know, not only as, as a fan of somebody from Washington, but as, you know, a person really hoping for greatness in American cycling. Um, I love that you're over there and we love seeing, seeing your growth and your career, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, hopefully I get to do some more classics next year and get some, get some good chances at doing these races and be fun. Well, we'll be, we will be watching and, and, you know, and, and cheering you on from afar. So good luck, man. Yeah. Thanks. So there's Logan. He's quick. He's to the point. He doesn't mess around with words. Short interview, but who cares? It was good to chat with him. Gives you a little warm fuzzy in terms of where we might be going. And and how many questions these riders have to press themselves with. I mean, how do you how do you what do you you set a goal for your life to make it to one of these high level teams? Then once you're there, how do you continue on with that? Where do you go from there? And when are you able to make those decisions? You gotta get a feel of what it's like to ride at that level. And and it sounds like Lowen's got his feet firmly planted on the ground and he's got he's trying to create some sort of a game plan and where to take things from here. It's a good chat with him. You guys, that's again, another episode of the podcast coming up this next week, April 15th tax day. I guess they moved it to the 17th, but I always know of April 15th is tax day. We are doing yet again, another live show at badass backyard brewing in Spokane Valley, Washington. Uh, you can either show up live and come check us out, or you can listen to the show after we get it all recorded. I'm trying to do a show from different perspectives. I want to see what life is like from the mountain, from the road, and from the uh, the, the fixie com- commuter guy. You know, hopefully we'll get a good panel and can talk about some of those issues on there. Once again, please don't forget the Pack Filler kits are out. Our Castelli kits are here for the month of April. The, the, that store is going to close at the end of April. Castelli's going to make everything, get it to us, ship it to you individually to your door. I'm not making a penny off of this. I just want to see people out there in the Pack Filler kits. We got three of them. We got the classic green and black. We got the a new pink and black. Ooh. And then we have the the best joke of them all. I consider the generic beer can jersey design with uh, just white. Black lettering in front and a couple nice bottles coming out of the back pocket. I'll have photos of those all up. If you uh, check us out on Facebook, they're already up there, but I'll make sure they get on the website and you guys can check them out. Again, great prices, 68 and 78 I think, for uh, shorts and jersey, perspective, whatever that might be. Uh, you can't beat it. That's that's cheaper than you can get just about anywhere else, and it's high-quality Castelli shit. So thanks again to Eric Solberg at Castelli for helping set us up with all of that wonderful stuff. Closing out at the end of April. Make sure and get it in soon, and then you'll be good to go. That's another episode. You guys. Keep the keep the feedback coming. Keep checking us out. Uh, Spotify, we are on, um, obviously, on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. Subscribe to the podcast, review us, tell us what you think. Ardenese Classics coming up next. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to get back into the hills. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.